Bible, I'd like you to start with me in John chapter 20. As I've been um, thinking about John chapter 15 and the things that you are um, familiar with as far as church and family and as you come to that passage of scripture, uh, you come there and, and um, have thoughts and uh, in your own heart and soul already as you, as you get to that passage of Scripture. And so I thought it would be neat as this morning as you, you take and start in John chapter 20. And I want you to read or look with me at John chapter 20 and verse 30. As you think about uh, the book of John, and you think about John's words to us through, uh, he wants us to see these things. Look at John chapter 20 and verse 30. Jesus did many, many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I want you to go back to John chapter 13. just want to give you some thoughts as you get to John chapter 15. John chapter 13 you'll get a chance to see the full extent of his love. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus is together with the disciples. Judas Iscariot is there. And Jesus, knowing he had the the full power to make a decision, he went ahead and washed washed the disciples' feet. The full extent of the traitor sitting there with him. said, you know what? I'm still going to set myself aside and wash the disciples' feet. You're probably familiar how he gets to Peter, and Peter you know, says, no, you're not, you don't have to wash your whole body, and he goes on and back and forth. But then I want you to pick it up in chapter 13. Pick it up in verse 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is his master greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you consider them. Like the opinion and preference? No. He's telling the ones that he loved. Blessed are you if you do them. What I've taught you, blessed are you if you do them. Go on in, in, as you go across and you think, look over in chapter 13 and verse 34. It says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So that you must love one another. By all this, men will know that you are my disciples. How will people know if we are his disciples? There's that two-letter word, if. If we're willing to take the teaching that he gave us, and the things that we like about him, and the things that we really struggle with, and we take those things together and say, okay, Lord, if. If I love somebody that I don't like, then the world will know that I'm a disciple of Jesus. See, it's a choice. It's an opportunity for you to say to yourself, no, it's not about me. Because these are the words that he recorded for me. He challenged me to love one another. 
And I can almost promise you, no matter where you live, no matter what park you're in, you got one of those people. No matter how many houses down, you've got one. You know their names. And when that name comes up, your blood pressure goes up. And you'll be challenged to love them the way Jesus loved you. And you read on a little bit farther. In John chapter 14, he says some words that are incredible. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. You know the way that going to the... You know where I'm going. Look at drop down in verse 6. This is where I love Jesus answered. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through Jesus. Nobody. He also reminds them in, in chapter 14, 15 through 21 about the Holy Spirit. He was going to give them a gift, the Holy Spirit. He also reminded them in, in 14, 27, per, per, a peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to the world, gives, but do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And then he gets to the passage where you're all familiar with. And you read these words. I am. And so if you go through your Bible and you come to John chapter 15, this is the last of seven times he says, I am. And so this morning as you come to this passage of Scripture and we talk to you about abiding in Christ and we talk to you about the things that you've heard many, many times if you've been around church. You have to start this morning with this thought. Abide in Jesus for life and for fruitfulness. Well, I want to talk to you briefly about abiding in Jesus for life. See, when you read John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine. There is no other way around this. So I asked you this morning, I know you sit in church. I know you've got, a lot of you have gray hair. But I believe a lot of people sitting in church do not believe Jesus is their personal Savior. Oh, you look great. But let me ask you this. Is he your vine? He's making this very, very clear. I am the vine. The gospel the cross that's behind us. We light it up every week. Why do we light it up? Oh, it looks beautiful. But there is no life without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You have nothing. If we take your blood out, you'll die. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. And so this morning, before we go anywhere else in this passage of Scripture, let me ask this. Is Jesus your life? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is he your I am? I would love to make him your I am, but I can't. It's an individual choice of every single person sitting in the seat. So as you come to this passage of scripture, have you said yes to Jesus? What do I need to say yes to Jesus about? Because you're a sinner. All of us have sinned. How many of you did not sin this week? Really? 
We all did. What'd you do with your sin? If you have Jesus, you have forgiveness. If you don't have Jesus, you're separated for eternity. It's the gospel right in front of you. Now, I want you to go on to the next part of this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit, He, you need to circle this word, prunes, so that it will bear even more fruit. Now, I realize that we live in a very comfortable place called the United States of America. And I realize that I can make a lot of money in churches where I could go around and tell people, you can be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You just go live your life however you want to. But that would be contrary to the Word of God. And I want the whole context of Scripture. I don't want just what makes me feel good. And so as I get to this passage of Scripture, you need to wrestle with this word pruning. Because if I'm in the vine, guess what there is? And I don't understand vineyards. I, I mean, it's totally clueless to me, but I see them. I can give you a picture of, you know, of a vineyard. And you've got this long vine and you've got a lot of little branches, but you've got this one individual that walks around and says, you know what, this branch is doing something for me, and this branch isn't, so I'm going to take it off. He's going to prune the van, branch. Why? Because he wants the branch to be more fruitful. He wants it to grow. And so as you think about the word prune, you need to think your way through to cause something to become clean. To make clean. To cleanse. So if I am in the vine, you will be pruned. If Jesus is your Father... He's going to put some pressure on you. If Jesus is your dad, he is going to spank you when you disobey. That's what loving fathers do. That's what my dad said to me. I didn't think it was a whole lot of love, but I appreciate it now. And so this morning, as you go through a passage of scripture that's very familiar, ask yourself this question. Will you let him prune you? When was the last time you have been pruned? Maybe he's not your father at all. Maybe it's just something that you know you've got knowledge about, but you've never said, you know what, Jesus? It's it. I surrender. I'm yours. I'm going to give you permission to do stuff in my life. And then you need to add another word. Choice. Because when we came up with the abide 21, you don't read abide you know, in, in the NIV version. You read abide when you read the New American Standard Version. If you drop down to verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain. Circle that word. What does the word remain or abide mean? Doing some research, it's a concept of Endurance. One of the virtues of a Christian life cited in the New Testament produces during suffering and which itself could produce character. Or you should maybe look at the word abide in this perspective. To stay in the same place 
over a period of time. You have the willingness just to remain. No matter what life circumstances look, and this is your choice. You will have a choice tomorrow morning to wake up and say, Father, here I am. I'm not really excited about you pruning me, but I'm sticking around, Dad. Because I want to remain in you. I want to be your son. I long for you to be my father. No matter what that looks like. Now I realize that we like life to be fair. We like our bank accounts to be full. We like those people that move into the park that we don't like to move out of the park next year. I got it. I understand. We just wish that somebody would buy our neighbor's house. Lord, just sell that thing. Well, maybe, just maybe, he's allowing that to happen so you will learn endurance. So that you will learn to remain in him and not you. So that you will wake up tomorrow like Paul had the thorn in the flesh. He woke up every day saying, wait, this hurts. This doesn't make sense. But for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. That's victory. That's hope. And so this morning as you, as you think your way through this, now I have a test for you. When you squeeze an orange juice, what comes out? You don't get lemons? You don't. You don't get strawberries. You don't get watermelon. You're saying, preacher, you're getting a little weird now. Let me ask you this. When you're squeezed, when God squeezes you, what comes out? And be honest. Because he's going to squeeze you. And you ain't going to like it. And it ain't going to be fair. And it ain't going to make sense. And you're not going to high-five your neighbor and be saying, you know what, he squeezed me today. What? This is awesome. But I'm telling you, he's going to put pressure on you to see if the fruits of the Spirit are really there. Oh, I know you can go to Galatians and you can whip them off. And I know you sit in church. You know what's fascinating about church? A lot of people sit in church, they sit, they soak, and then when they get squeezed, they stink. Because the fruits of the Spirit don't come out. They've got all the information. But they've never said to the Lord, here I am. They're still mad at God for what happened 25 years ago. And all those things happened 25 years ago. God was just saying, child, I want to full, full um, form and mold your heart. That's all I want to do. talk about abiding in Christ. I want to talk about abiding in His Word. You go to to drop down to verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. You have something in front of you that a lot of people around the world don't hold. It's called a Bible. It's His words to you. And 
I know as you go through John chapter 15, it's getting excited about talking about more fruit and much fruit and all those things. But the difficult passage of John chapter 15 is dealing with abiding. Do I really know him as my father? And then will I allow my father's words to remain in me? That's hard work. Take your Bible and go to Psalm chapter 1. We read this um, last week, and I, I realized that, but I just want you to just go through a couple of Psalms with me. So Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Go to Psalm 28, verse 1. To you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I'll be like those who have gone down to the pit. Psalm 31. Pick it up in verse 1. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge. A strong fortress to me. Since you are my rock and my fortress for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. Go to Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? His words. Are we willing, as we go back to John chapter 15, and John says to these individuals, and he's saying to us, you've got to remain in the vine. You've got to abide in His word. The book you call the Bible needs to be opened and read and thought about and said, I surrender. I might not like this, but this is what you say is true. Here's another thing. Abide in Jesus for power in prayer. You finish off, go back to um, John chapter 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. 
Now I know, again, if I just take the, the last half of that verse, say, Lord, you said, ask whatever I wish and it will be given. But see, that's not like a blank check. John is saying to you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, if His words remain in you, if you are clinging to Him, if you belong to Him, there's like a transition that your heart starts to kind of beat like His heart. His thoughts become your thoughts. His ways become your ways. His likes become your likes. His dislikes become your dislikes. And then John says to you, ask whatever you wish. Because if the word is remaining in you, you're not asking for about you. Because you've learned through some incredible people that have gone before you that life's not about you. And it's not about being comfortable. And it's not about being fun. Here's a great word picture. People love to play golf. When they walk on the golf course, they have a thought in their mind, that they would like, a score that they would like to shoot. How often do they ever get that score? You know what's interesting? <laughs> they go out and play golf again. They can have the worst day on Monday playing golf. Can't hit the ball straight. Can't hit it in the air. It goes right one week. And they, Monday, on Thursday, guess what? The ball will go left. But they still go back and play golf. Even though it's not fair. Even though it doesn't go where you want it to go. And then you'll go out and buy more golf balls. And then you'll, you'll train yourself to think, you know what? If I just buy this new driver... It will go straight. (laughs) You're such a fool. It never goes straight. But you just spent 250 bucks on something that ain't going to go any different than what you spent $25 at Walmart on. It ain't going to matter. Because you ain't going to change the swing. The swing is what matters, not the golf club. But you bought into this marketing concept that if you buy this Callaway driver, you're going to hit it 300 yards. Maybe if it's downwind and downhill and it lands on concrete, you might have a chance. And you know what happens? We bring that over into our relationship with Jesus. Well, Callaway says, I can do this. Well, honey, I just need these new irons. You know, they're a little fatter on the bottom. And they're a little more forgiving. So this is what I want. This is what I need. The cross never asked. Let's make this about me today. Jesus did not do what he wanted. He didn't. He just said, yeah, go ahead. To the Roman soldier that held his arm to the cross. He knew every muscle in that Roman soldier's body. He knew every hair on that Roman soldier's head. And he had the power just to say, fly, you're out of here. But he laid it down on a cross. 
how in the world can we live a life without tapping into the power of prayer? And I, you know, I've shared these words. I won't say much about these words, but my prayer for you is in the morning that you'll stop and seek God's face, that your response will be, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Then you take your request to him, and then you say, Father, let's do battle. But I'm asking you to help me in battle today. The last thing that I want to share with you this morning is this. Abide in Jesus through obeying his commands. As you read down, you will see, pick it up in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. How can I remain? If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and I remain in his love. I've told you this, that your joy, that you may... I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Are you motivated by the wonder of God's love for you? Obedience to Father's commands is the same for a disciple as it is for the Son. Active dependence and loving obedience are proper paths for all of God's children. Is there a desire in your heart that when your Father speaks and when He says, come and walk with me, and when people see you, they say, you know, That person's not some goody-two-shoes. That person's not some holier-than-thou individual. But they're just something different. You know what I found? When I obey, there's joy. Because everything that he has given me is not, he is not saying me, and as I was listening to John Piper, It's not like God is withholding something good from you. It's not like he's saying, ah, I've got this trump card over here, and you're just missing out. Your life is just boring. When I abide in his commands, there's joy. Is that true for you? And so as I put these things back up, let me just put them back on the screen, these four things. Abide in Jesus for fruitfulness. Abide in Jesus for life. I should have had life and fruitfulness there. Abide in Jesus for life. Is he your dad? Have you said, Dad, Sin only comes, forgiveness of sin only comes from the cross through Jesus. You have to step. Or maybe you're in the fruitfulness part and he's pruning you 
And he's asking you to walk endurance. And you're doing it, but inside there's that two-year-old spirit coming out of you with rebellion saying, you know what, I don't want to do this. Abide in Jesus by consuming his word. What's your fertilizer to life? What's your operating system? What's your favorite book? What is really the thing that motivates you? Not, don't give me the church answer. Don't say, well, you know, preacher, it's the Bible. Is it? What's your power source? What are you plugging into? When was the last time the Holy Spirit convicted you of sin? was the last time you said, you're right. Oh, there's been church, people in church for 30, 40 years that the Holy Spirit's been knocking on their door for sin and they just keep out on walking. I don't know where you are. My <laughs> prayer for you is that Jesus is your life. My prayer for you is that in the fruitfulness, when he's trying to produce more fruit, no matter how much you hurt, no matter how hard it is, you would say, Dad, I give you permission to prove me. And I'm not running anywhere. I'm going to abide in you. And then you'd wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what, Dad, i got to have help today. And I'm coming to you for the power source of my life. Oh, there's a lot of other things. My prayer for you, that the book that you call the Bible, that you call God's Word, would truly be God's Word in your life. That would be the final authority in your life. No matter what your preference was, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what the world says, you would say, no, what is the truth of God's Word? I want you to pray with me. Holy Spirit, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what people need to to do. If he's not your life, I know you need to do this. You need to say yes to Jesus. You need to accept the free gift of salvation as the payment for your sin. He died on the cross for you. Will you receive him? Have you ever received him? If you're here this morning, make it today. Just It could be... Words don't mean anything. The word's not special. Father, it's me. You know I have a sin. I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness. So, Father, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm trusting you to be the bridge. You're my hope. You're my life. It's me, Dad. I'm saying yes. If that's you, say yes. But I think there's some other people in this room that he's been pruning that he wants to make more fruitful, and you're running. So you just need to stop in your seat this morning and say, Dad, I hear your voice. Dad, I'm not running anymore. You can prune me, Dad. You can mold me. You can shape me. Because, Dad, I'm more worried about my heart
than I am my fruitfulness. Created me a clean heart, Dad. Maybe you need to join us tomorrow for the by 21. Start plugging into your power source. So Holy Spirit, you do what you need to do. Holy Spirit, don't leave us the same way that we walked in the door as we walk out of these doors. Change us. Break us down. Allow us to run to you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. But Father, please, mold us and shape us so that our, that our lives honor you. In your name I pray. Amen.